Today I interview an incredible woman, Shelly Archambo. Shelly is one of Silicon Valley's first female African-American CEOs. She currently serves as a Fortune 500 board member and holds board seats at Verizon, Nordstrom, Roper Technologies, and Okta. I've been fortunate to interview other prominent African-American females in Promise Phelan, author of The Way of the Growth Warrior, and Dr. Marilyn Gist, author of Extraordinary Power of Leader Humility. They, along with Shelley, are part of the emergence of the female African-American business and thought leaders. So Shelley is the author of Unapologetically Ambitious, Take Risks, Break Barriers, and Create Success on Your Own Terms. Each chapter lays out key takeaways and actions to increase the odds of achieving your personal and professional goals. Unapologetically Ambitious invites readers to move beyond the solely supportive roles others expect them to fill, to learn how to carefully tread the thin line between assertive and aggressive, and to give themselves permission to strive for the top. So enjoy the interview. Yes, thank you so much. It's fantastic having you. Um, Shelley, where are you right now? I'm in the heart of Silicon Valley, <laughs> right in California. Fantastic. I, I worked for an IT company for 14 years um, that got their head offices in San Francisco, although I never traveled there with them. So I would love to go there one day. Um, when it's not in lockdown, what do you enjoy doing uh, in your part of the world in San Francisco? Oh, man, I'm a, I'm a gym rat. I like to go exercise, whether it's in the gym or hiking, performing arts. Uh, and getting together with friends and having a nice dinner and wine. <laughs> Fantastic. Is that going to the theater and what, you know? Going... Oh, yes. I, actually, I love all of it. I like plays, musicals, but I like concerts for music. Um, I like dance, ballet. So, yes, I like most performing arts. And is that starting to come out of lockdown now in the States? Are, are they able to put on shows these days now? Yeah, I would say not quite. We're still doing virtual. And last Saturday, I did a virtual uh, performance of Lines Ballet, as an example. But no, still virtual. Oh, okay. Well, hopefully that, that gets rectified really soon. So, Shelley, you've had an absolutely, and you still do have a wonderful career. Could you give us an overview of it? And I love you know, reading in your book about you know, how you came on the Verizon board and what that meant to you. Could you tell us a bit about that? Oh, certainly. I've, I've tried to be intentional my entire career, uh, Lance. So mm-hmm. I, I set out a goal to be a CEO of tech, and fortunately, I was able to do that. You know, I started out in IBM in sales, selling computers, and then rose <laughs> my way through the ranks. Um, 14 years at IBM, realized, ah, I don't know that I'm going to get a chance to truly compete for the CEO role, despite the fact that I'm close, two steps from the CEO, and Nobody above me looks like me, and I'm running a multi-billion dollar division. So I said, ah, mm. let me work my way to another option. So I left IBM, worked my way to Silicon Valley after a brief stop at Blockbuster, where I was the chief marketing officer and EVP of sales for several public companies. And then I got my opportunity to become CEO of what became Metric Street. I led mm. that company, grew it into a global market leader over the course of about 14 years. And then along the way, I learned that, you know what? Board of directors are the people with the real power. They hire and fire the CEOs. So <laughs> I <want> that job. <laughs> and um, I set my sights on trying to really build the skills that look like boards wanted and then making my intentions known. So it was clear that boards of directors want people who have experience. 
well, how do you get experience? They want experience, kind of a catch 22. Mm. So I decided that I needed to get my first board, frankly, as soon as I could, so that I had experience to be able to compete, to go after the really significant boards. And that's what I did. I got my first board at 42, served on that board for about eight years, and then got the opportunity to join the board of Verizon. And and that came about suddenly, didn't it, in your book? Did it come out of the blue to you a little bit, or did you know that it was on the horizon and that you were going to get that position? I didn't know that Verizon itself Mm. was on the horizon, but I was now being very proactive about letting people know that I was interested in serving on a Fortune 500 board Mm. and sharing the fact that I had eight years of board experience. Here's my, I've been a CEO, I'm tech. I'm global, right? I gave all my background. But bottom line is I told everybody. Yeah. And what happened was the CEO of Verizon reached out to Mark Andreessen, who knew me, and said, you know, we're looking for somebody to join the board. We want somebody from tech, somebody who has some broad, a scalable business experience. And we also want somebody, if they know telecom, that's great. You know, okay, basically a profile. And Mark was the one who actually recommended me. So many times, boards, opportunities, just like business opportunities, come word of mouth. So Mm. if you're interested in something, you have to tell people what you want. (coughs) Pardon me, I have allergies. You have to tell people what you want so that they'll remember you when they hear about opportunities. And we're going to be speaking about that in your book because it it, it is um, mentioned quite a lot in and apologetically ambitious. And so I'd love to get on with that in, in, in a moment. But you are obviously a very, very prominent female African-American. Um, and I just wanted to, it might be too early in the interview, but I just wanted to ask you about your opinion on that. Uh, is, is it still a big issue in the USA? And I, I'm, I guess it is, but there is progress. I mean, I, I have interviewed Promise Phelan, who you might know her, about her book, The Way of the Growth Warrior. A wonderful interview. It was fantastic. And then obviously new President um, Biden's administration is quite a few firsts when it comes to African-Americans, most notably Vice President Kamala Harris and Secretary of Defense General Lloyd Austin. So what is, what, what is your feelings about you know, the, the, the place for, you know, female African-Americans in particular in the States at the moment? You know, I would tell you that the good news is more female African-Americans are getting opportunities, which is terrific, mm. but we're still, but we're still the first. You hear it all the time. First of this, first of that, first of that. So it means we're just breaking in to it. And when you look at black Americans in general, you know, you can easily look at Kamala Harris and, myself and all the names that you you mentioned and say, oh, look, it's going great, making great progress. Mm. Well, frankly, individuals are making some good progress, but overall, not so much. I mean, the average median net worth of a white family in the US is about $140,000. For a black family, it's about $24,000, all right? In 1968, so we're talking 50, you know, roughly 50 plus years ago, the same net worth that Blacks had back then, they have now. We've made no progress in 50 years. So as a cohort, I would tell you we're not doing very well. Individuals, Mm -hmm. right? Some people are. 
So it's important to understand kind of the broad dynamic. So it's still a challenge. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and people like you and Promise, as I mentioned, and actually a few other interviews that I've had um, really are making great strides there. And I really support you 100%, obviously. Um, but thank you so much for your book, Unapologetically Ambitious. I really enjoyed reading it. And it's been named by multiple prominent websites as one of the top business books of 2020 at that time, and obviously this year as well. So what led you to writing it? And can you give us a brief overview of the book? Certainly. I, you know, I've tried to be accessible my entire career, Lance, because back mm. to the ever conversation we were having, I think it's important that people see role models you know, to understand what's possible. So I tried to respond so people could say, hey, I'm a real person. I'm just like you. I'm not that special. So if I can do this, you can do this. But as I took on more and more responsibility throughout my career, I didn't have time to meet with everybody. Still responded, but I couldn't meet. Have them pick my brain and hear my story and understand the strategy. So that's when I decided that when I got to my phase two, when I had time, I was going to write it down. I was going to write down how do you improve your odds to achieve what you want out of life? Mm. Because frankly, the odds weren't in my favor. <laughs> we just touched on that. Um, and the odds aren't in the favor for a lot of people. But that doesn't mean you can't do what you set out to do. You just have to be intentional and work to improve your odds. So the book basically shares all of those elements of how you intentional, how do you plan, how do you improve your odds, how do you increase your luck, how do you manage through when you hit roadblocks and obstacles. And I try to give very practical, tangible advice that you can go take tomorrow to actually improve your odds to get what you want. Mm. And we meant, you mentioned it briefly in, when we spoke about Verizon, and um, maybe we'll focus on that now, where the first part of your book, and you, say, you say creating your own luck, and you just mentioned that now again, and then also preparing for an opportunity to, to appear. So can you give us some advice apart from letting people know what you want? How, how else can you prepare for this opportunity to appear um, for you and create your own luck in life? Mm, definitely. It really comes down to how I think about just planning in, in general, which is, well, you know, I set a goal. What is it I want? Well, I mm. want to be CEO one day. Okay. What has to be true to be a CEO? Well, that means going to do the research. Who are the CEOs? What were their educational backgrounds? What kind of careers did they have? What jobs did they take? What skills? Blah, 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 right? All those things. And then I ask myself, how do I make it true for me? And that's the plan. That's the plan. So the way you prepare yourself for the future is once you have your plan, I assume the plan's going to happen. Now, does it always? No. But many times it does. So for instance, when I joined IBM, here I am, you know, fresh out of school and joining as a salesperson, but I'm watching people and I'm looking at the executives and like all the executives are good speakers. They seem to be comfortable in front of an audience. They can inspire people, get people motivated. <laughs> well, I wasn't a good speaker. And I'm thinking, oh my God, how am I going to be a CEO if I'm not even going to be an executive because I'm not a good speaker? So here I am. I'm not even a manager, but I went and worked on it. I joined something called Toastmasters, which gave me the opportunity to practice public speaking and criticize you. And so I built that skill. Did I need it right then? No, I didn't need it right then. But as I moved up the corporate ladder, and I did need that skill, I had it. I didn't have to start to build it. So as a result, it became an accelerator, not an inhibitor. 
So when I say make your own luck, oh, it's lucky that Shelly's good on her feet, right? Now she gets these opportunities. <laughs> that wasn't luck. I planned for it and I worked on it so that I would have the skill when the skill was required. So the big thing about that is assume your plan is going to happen and then take the steps now to ensure that you can actually execute on the plan you have in front of you. And that way, when it comes about, you are lucky. Mm. And, and how, how much of that is thinking things through and planning and strategizing as opposed to going on your intuition and gut feel? Um, because what I've been doing, like my whole career, it seems now, is I've been trying to identify where the opportunities are, where the growth areas are, whether it's like design thinking, for example, or idea management or cloud computing or whatever the story is. And then moving in that direction, getting certified. And even if it doesn't happen, so I've moved in a particular position, direction. And, and hopefully the luck will happen one day when all these things tie into one sort of wonderful scenario like it happened with you, Verizon, where they were looking for a whole lot of different things that you, you had those skills. Um, so do you think you need to plan it out or do you also go with, you know, what you think from your intuition is the best move forward? Mm. Well, you know, if you think about it, intuition, uh, it all depends on when you're using intuition. If you're using intuition and you have already 20, 25 years of experience, I would say your intuition is going to be pretty good. Because mm. intuition is just based upon what experiences have I had that now influences my quote gut feel. If I haven't had a lot of experiences, my gut feel is not going to be very good. So intuition on someone with 20 years of experience is very different than intuition on someone with four years of experience. Yeah. So therefore, when you say, should you use intuition? Hmm, depends. Now, for some people that'll work out great and that's fine, but I'm all about how to improve your odds, which means what can I do to actually make more certain? And to me, being intentional, planning, doing the work, right? Just is more likely but it doesn't mean it's the only way to make decisions. Absolutely. And part three of your book is about living the plan. And uh, are you intentional like that in all different areas of your life? Because, you know, you're yes. obviously incredibly successful. How have you managed to balance your, your work-life balance? And um, how have you managed to do that without becoming a workaholic and neglecting other areas of your life? Okay, so I will tell you, I'm intentional in all aspects of my life. Mm. When I set the goal that I wanted to be a CEO, it wasn't a standalone goal. I wanted to be a CEO. I wanted to get married. I wanted to have kids, if that was possible. Um, and I wanted to be self-sufficient. I mean, so those were, those were things I wanted to do. Those had to happen in tandem, which is why when I wrote the book, I talk about all of it, not just career, but I talk about all of it because it has to work in tandem. I cannot stand the term, Lance, of work-life balance because to me, it's not a balance. I mean, what yeah. is a balance? A balance is a fixed structure that's even on both sides at all times. I don't know a single person in this world whose life is static. Static, even on all sides at all times. No, life is twists and turns. I mean, all of 2020 and part of 2021, nothing static about the last 18 months. So no, no, we need to create an environment in which we integrate our lives because I'm one person. Yes, I wear all the hats, but I'm one person. So I take, my, I take my professional priorities, my personal priorities. I put them together and then I prioritize again, ruthlessly to make sure 
that what's important gets done. But what that means, some things aren't going to get done. And I have to learn how to either live with it or find somebody else to do it. Mm. And that's really the key. That's the key. Because, you know, honestly, this whole notion of, okay, I'm going to spend two hours here, two hours there, three hours there, three hours. I mean, no, we'll live a life where we're perpetually guilty because you can never be fully balanced at all times, mm-hmm. right? It's ridiculous. So instead, figure out how you get done what's important across your life. Do the best you can, right? And then live with it. But the key is to make choices and trade-offs so that you really are spending your time where you want to. And a key part of that, Lance, is to decide what you want to be judged on. Do not just accept all the things that the world wants to judge us on. Because if you accept everything the world wants to judge you on, you'll never be able to prioritize. Because there's just too much. There's too much to do. People want to judge us on everything, our career, our work, our home, our family, our house, our career, vacation, our, I mean, our clothes, our, you name it, right? No. Yeah. Decide what's important to you. And then use that as your framework for a prioritization. And let go of the rest. Yeah, absolutely. That's brilliant. And so Shelly, part four is packed with, you know, also incredibly valuable content. And I, I love the, the term swerve. Like, what do you mean by swerve in part four when, when you're talking about how to swerve? Mm, you know, in every career and every life, personally and professionally, we're going to hit roadblocks and we're going to hit obstacles, right? The key yeah. is you don't stop, right? You swerve. You would never get in your car and head to the grocery store or the market and come across a roadblock, stop your car, park it, and sit there until somebody moved the roadblock. No, you wouldn't do that. You also would not turn around and go home. Of course not. What would you do? You'd swerve. You'd figure out a different path. Take a right. Go down a side street. Maybe it's a longer path, but you still ultimately get there. Mm. We need to treat our careers the same way. Don't let a roadblock or an obstacle or a detour, don't let it stop you. Figure out another path, just swerve. And honestly, this is where you can do it yourself. You can also take help. When you're trying to find a different path, what do you do? You pull out the GPS. Okay, what's the faster route to get here? Well, guess what? When it comes to career, maybe you don't have a GPS for your career, but you do have mentors, advisors, supporters, people you can talk to. I mean, take help to figure out what you uh-huh. need to go do. And Shelly, in chapter five or part five, you talk about how to improve your odds of success. And that's what I'm trying to look for every day in myself, um, my children, all those things, and particularly important in 2021. Can you give us like two or three bits of advice on how to, and we mentioned this in the interview before, but and other advice on how we can improve our odds of success this year? Yes, number one, Focus and be intentional. Mm. And by focus, I mean, it's funny. I'll give you an analogy. My twin four-year-old grandchildren, and one of the things they'd love to do is to spin around, spin around, spin around until they get dizzy, 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 and they end up flat on their back, typically giggling, (laughs) right? Okay. Well, we think about what's been going on for the last 18 months. I mean, the world's been spinning us. nothing's normal, nothing's the same, right? How we work, how we live, how we educate kids, nothing's the same. And it's easy for us, right? To get ourselves spun around and then flat on our backs. But if you think about it, what do dancers do? Professional dancers, they spin for minutes and minutes, just spin, 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 and they stop and move on gracefully. How do they do that? They pick a focal point. 
They look at that point and they whip their head around. Look at the point, whip their head around. When we have life, all these things coming at us, we need to focus. What is important? Keep our eye on the prize, stay focused. And that keeps us sane. And it enables us to figure out what are therefore the right choices, the right decisions and the right trade-offs because we're staying focused. If we're not focused, it's very hard to actually make the right trade-offs. Do I do X or do I do Y? Well, it depends. What are you trying to achieve? People ask me all the time, should I take job A or job B? And I'm like, well, what are you trying to do? Well, I'm not sure. Then the hard answer is it doesn't matter. Mm. It doesn't matter. So decide what it is that you're trying to do. Stay focused. Use that as your framework to make decisions and choices so that you can get done what you need to get done. Mm. And so, yeah, thank you for that. Um, you're, you, you're obviously very, very busy and you've got time to have your own website as well. And so I have the link in the show notes, shillyandchamba.com. And it, there's a blog on there right now that, you know, you're just speaking to in a bit in that answer, being intentional in our hope and hope is not a strategy. I quite like that where, you know, you've got to be intentional, just like you said, and that just make things happen because things are not going to happen by themselves. Is that what you, you want to write that, in your blog? Indeed. That's basically it. Hope is not a strategy. Decide what you want. <laughs> start working toward it. Right. And then yeah. you're immediately improving your odds. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and then you, uh, so on the website, shillianchambo.com, you do you do, still do speaking today? Is that opening up for you in the States? Is, is that available at the moment? It is. It is. All of it right now, most of it's virtual. Just starting to talk about engagements that are in person. But yes, I've been doing virtual speaking and definitely plan to do some in-person speaking. That's fantastic. And what are your other plans for 2021? Oh, I'll continue with my board work. I serve on four public boards, two national sure. nonprofits. I advise companies as well as uh, universities. And I am very involved in several passion areas around racial justice, around diversity. And I'm working on an impact fund, which is, okay, how do we ensure that investment dollars are being directed towards areas that can actually make an impact in the world? And, and spending time with your twin grandchildren. Yes, and spending time <laughs> with my grandchildren. <laughs> and so on, on your website, there's a contact me or join the movement. Um, what would they, would they get regular updates from you if they, if they went onto the join the movement tab of your site? Yes, they'll get updates on what's coming. So let me give you a preview. I'm working on how, how can I deliver 70% of the value of mentorship um, and at scale? Because honestly, not enough people have mentors and therefore can I take a lot of the lessons learned, right? Things I've done, et cetera and share them in a way that are helpful to people um, at scale. So that's what I'm working on. So if you sign up, you'll get information on it because I'm trying at this stage to impact and inspire and put out advice, perspectives, you know, thoughts, ideas, tools, tips, whatever, to help more people be able to achieve their aspirations. Wow, thank you so much for doing that. That's amazing. And thank you for joining me today, Shelley. I really, really appreciate it. And thanks again for your book, Unapologetically Ambitious. Take risks, break barriers, and create success on your own terms. I'm going to definitely have my two daughters read it when they get old enough to read a book like that. So I'm going to keep it around <laughs> and, and give it to them for sure. Well, great. Well, thank you very much, Lance. I appreciate it.
It's been a pleasure talking to you. And I hope you, the listener, found this as interesting and useful as I did. If you'd like to contact me, then please do. My email is lance.ideastorm.co.za and website is businessbookshelfpodcast.com. So thank you so much again, Shelley. And until next time, goodbye, everyone. Stay well, stay safe, everyone. Bye. Bye.